Okay, good morning again, church. Excited. So I started a song out in the wrong chord, and then I dropped my pick in the middle of the worship time. I mean, you know, stuff happens. Life is full of it. We are not exempt from trials. We are not exempt from challenges and setbacks, disappointments, failures. The good news is that God has promised to be with us. Amen. He was the victor. He was triumphant. I'll take us to the story I mentioned earlier in, in the service about Gideon. You've got to love this man. Maybe you'll see yourself in this man. Little as much when God has entered, how many know that God can do further, for, for, far more than we could ever imagine or think? Amen. God can do more in two seconds than I can do in a lifetime and then. All right? God is so much bigger than we are. And he, he, he calls us to trust Him. Even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're, we're tired, even when we're giving up, we feel like giving up. God says, trust me. And so the setting here is in Judges chapter 6, and a little bit of the background and the context of this is the enemy, the Midianites, were swarming. They were like locusts on the land. There were many, many people, many of those folks, which were the enemies. And what they would do, they, about the time that the harvest was starting to get ripe, they would send out. Uh, their animals, and would they would the animals would eat the, the crop, mull around, and just aggravate. Doesn't the enemy love to aggravate, irritate you? And the enemy plays. That's the way. That's the way he plays. That's the way he fights. He fights to get you to be afraid. The fear tactic. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on. Every day when you say, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Something feels really, really weird. You feel frustrated, you feel irritated, you feel oppressed, you feel pressured. And how many know that the Bible says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I will raise up a standard against him? Amen? That standard is the presence of Jesus. That standard is the God, the protector, the one who has the armor for us, for you and I to live and to walk in. So we have this story. The Midianites were enemies of God. They were taunting. They were stealing their food. They were taking away from the people of God. And beginning at verse 11, the angel of the Lord, this is now the setting. This is our text. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that is in Oprah. No, I have no idea where this oak tree is, somewhere in the east which belongs to Joash, the Abizarite. And how many of you love these Old Testament names? As his son, Gideon. There's one I could pronounce. Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine. Why was he beating out wheat in the wine press? Because the wine press was a place where he could hide from the Midianites the only wheat that he had. Right? He's hiding for fear that the Midianites will see the little bit that he's holding, trying to make it to another day, 
that they would come and steal that away. So he's in the wine press. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Oh, the Lord is with you, oh, valiant warrior. And I was like thinking, Gideon, Gideon said, What are you, valiant warrior? Don't you know what's going on? I can't hardly, I can't hardly walk. I can't hardly go through this day without fearing. Valiant warrior? How many things some days you don't feel like a valiant warrior? You feel like a whipped whatever. You feel like a beaten down whatever. And God says you're a valiant warrior. When God says you're a valiant warrior, he's looking past yourself. He sees into your spirit, and he sees what you can become. He sees the potential that you have, that you are able to walk in the darkness of this world and overcome it. That you have the presence of Jesus, you have the touch of the Lord upon your life, that when the enemy comes to hinder you, that he will be uncomfortable. How about turning this around? How about let's get rid of the enemy? Let's put the enemy to flight. We can do it in Jesus' name. You can't do it, but Jesus can do it through you. When you offer to him a prayer of faith, I believe it. Here it goes. Here we go now. Come on. Gideon said to him, my Lord. It's like he's saying, Lord, if you're with us, why then all has this happened to us? And that's exactly the way people think today. That's exactly what people are going through right now in our world. If all if the Lord is who he says he is, why is all these bad things happening to me or in the world? Why are so many bad things? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that the Bible teaches that, and God has come to give us hope. Now, number one, we read in verse 15. Let me read some more verses here first to get us to the place. Gideon said to him, O oh Lord, if you're with us, why has all this happened? Where are the miracles with our fathers? So what, what, is, where, what has happened you know, to the miracles of God? What, what he's saying is, did not the Lord bring, he remembers, he's thinking back, he heard about the miracles, he heard about the Red Sea opening. He heard about the man, he heard about the rock opening when they were thirsty. But now he feels the Lord, now he, he just says, now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the world. But the Lord says this, if you, if you turn from me, I'll turn from you. Nations that turn from God reap what they sow. Nations that turn away from God let go of God's blessing. But nations that turn to God, people that turn to God begin to receive his Amen. It's as simple as that, but easier said than done. Now the Lord looked at him and said, go in your strength. The Lord didn't say, you know, you need to straighten up your attitude. He just said, go in. Go in. He said to him, oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. Go in this your strength, verse 14. Go in this your strength and deliver Israel. What do you mean? I'm going to take on the Midianites? What are you talking about, Lord? What do you see in me? What can I do? What can I do? And oftentimes we feel, verse 15, exactly like Gideon. And he said to him, O oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. And I'm the youngest, the number one, the least. How many ever felt like the least? 
I have. Not like the least. Besides, I'm the youngest in my family. But sometimes we feel like we're the least. You know that God uses the least? Do you know that God chooses the least? Did you know that Paul said, I'm the least of the apostles? Why did he say that? Probably because he was against God in his earlier days. But he was chosen by God. He saw the Lord, which on the road to Damascus, which changed, turned around. But he did not elevate himself. In other words, to be a valiant warrior, we must understand where our strength is. That we do not fight against flesh and blood. We do not come in our own strength, but we come in the name of the Lord. When Jesus was talking in the New Testament about people whom you ought to minister to, ought to reach out to, Matthew's Gospel 25, 38-40, and when, and when did we see you as a stranger? And when did you, and when did we invite you in, or naked and, and clothe you? When did we see you as sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, the extent that you did it to one of the, these brothers of mine, even the least of them. You've done it to me. People are valuable to God. No matter what they look like, no matter what they act like, people, God loves everyone. And wants everyone to have a chance to hear the gospel so that they can make a decision to say yes or to say no. And when we minister to the poor, when we minister to the person that is that is struggling in life, we're administering as even unto the Lord. Amen? Even unto the least. God notices the poor. God notices when the church, when the people of God recognize a need and reach out. God notices. And God blesses that. And so, the least. We know about the story when Jesus was teaching, and there was 5,000 plus people there. Jesus said to the disciples, we got to feed these. We can't send them away. They're going to faint on the way home. we got to get some food in their bellies. And the disciples are going, what? I don't have anything. And the little boy said, I got a little lunch. You know, two little fish and five loaves or something like that. And anyway, the little boy was the only smart one that brought a lunch. We know that punchline. But Jesus took something very small and he blessed it and he multiplied it and he fed. He took something that was little and little is much when God is in it. Even when we have the seed of mustard seed faith, God can use the smallest faith to do the greatest things in the kingdom of God because he is a God that moves with compassion. He's a God that moves with, with hope and gives hope to the hopeless and gives strength to the weak. He gives courage to the downhearted. And exactly this is what was happening to Gideon. 
something was beginning to churn because the angel of the Lord was speaking. When the Lord came to Gideon, Gideon began to listen and receive. Something began to happen and change in, in, in Gideon's heart and life because he was experiencing something supernatural. Beyond himself, beyond the normal, beyond the stuff that this that, that we would say, this is what we're doing. We're, it's over. There's no hope. But God. But then the next story, the next part of this story gets very interesting. Verses 36. We have Gideon. Be cautious. Asking the Lord some questions. If you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, behold, I will put a fleece. Now, y'all know what a fleece is? It's like a piece of wool cloth, right? Fabric. And here's the deal. He's going to put this fleece. I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is a dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that thou delivered Israel through me as thou hast spoken. Well, that would be a miracle, right? But then he takes it another step. And so it was, and it was so. When he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not let thine anger burn. It's like he said, Lord, I want to ask you one more. Don't get angry at me. Right? You ever felt like you were pestering God? Oh, my, yeah. It's okay. God can take your questions. God can handle your feelings. The Bible says to cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. I've heard this line many times. Well, God is so busy, uh, he don't have time for my problem. Whoa. No, he does. He wants everyone to come with their needs. He has enough for everyone. He has time for everyone. And God is taking it, being patient with Gideon, as Gideon is processing what is going to happen in the next few days. Verse 39, don't, let, don't get angry at me. Please let me make a test once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and let there be dew on all the ground. Okay, and God did so the night, and God did so that night for it was dry only on the fleece. All right, so the fleece. It is a good thing to pray about your life. Number one. It is a good thing to pray about decisions. If you're contemplating doing something financial, whatever it may be, it may be something that is going to be life-changing, it is a good thing to know, is God in this? Is God for this? And we ask God to show us, I think it's a good thing to ask God sometimes for a confirmation. What do I mean by that? A confirmation in some way, he, he confirms it. Maybe it's through another believer. Maybe it's through circumstances. Maybe it's through the written word of God that you're reading. 
Carrie and I, we, we read the same verse in different places in the Old Testament prior to coming to Cross Lake. And God was moving in my heart 25 plus years ago. I was reading about David. I think it was in Chronicles, and you read it in another place. And it said, go and do that which is all in your heart. That was part of the verse. And I wrote it. I, I put a note on the table before I went to work, and I said, read this. And you had already, you had already read that recently. Really? Okay. Go and do that which is all in your heart. What is it about God? I, I, I wish he would speak audibly many times. I kind of need to get it, right? But God so often is and you have to get yourself in a place of quietness to hear what he's saying. And many times the confirmation comes in your inner spirit, which gives you peace. Huge barometer. Peace that comes from God. It's an assurance that God is with us, and God has spoken, therefore I can stand, I can build on it, I can act on it, I can trust God. And if it's not of God, I prayed about this whole move when he 25 plus years ago. If it's not you, Lord, I'm going to start stepping out. I start making a matter of prayer. God, if it's not you, stop. Throw off the, the, the load roadblocks. Just stop me. But see, faith requires action. Oh, many times, God never moved until the people stepped out. God did not perform the miracle until the people stepped out. Until the people, as they marched around the walls of Jericho, for example, they, the walls did not fall down until God saw their faithfulness. And they all shouted. Oh, this is huge. This is such an insight to Scripture and to God. God wants to work in you. God wants to work in your circumstance. God wants to use you to better the situation. And the enemy is trying to get you to say, it's done, it's over, there's no use. Why should I even try? There's just a little wheat left, and if I don't get this, uh, you know, if I don't even, they'll come and steal this too. And we'll, we'll, we'll hold up, and we're in host, what's the hostage. We're like a hostage captive. And so many people in the world are living this way, held by the captive, in bondage, afraid to step out and be themselves for God. Because too many times they've heard this voice, you can't do it, you're never good enough, you're going to fail. And that's the enemy, exactly the way he works. Fear. So he picks on the littlest guy. He picks on the least. But God says, these are the kind of people I can use. Because they got a spirit that is childlike. They got a spirit that will say, I will trust you. They got a childlikeness. They're teachable. They're ready to surrender. They're ready to believe me. God wants to take us to the next level. Whatever's happened in your life lately, God knows exactly where you're at today. 
Just like God, when he saw Gideon down in a wine press, God knew exactly what he knew exactly what was going on. God has not forgotten about your, you and your circumstance. God has not forgotten about your brokenness. But we move on. This little fleece, this little episode, it helped build Gideon's faith. Now Gideon was beginning to believe God, that God was in it. Little as much when God is in it. And so we believe God that no matter what the circumstances, no matter what he, we come to a place of surrender. And so now God is beginning to give uh, Gideon this strategy. And the third point is we're going to talk about when God is doing something miraculous and we know it. And when we look back and say, if it weren't for the Lord, we wouldn't have made it. Then God gets the glory. And so we look back, well, we couldn't have done it without God. Then God gets the glory. And we look back on our, on our situation and say, you know what? The Lord helped us, didn't he? It was a miracle that we made it through that accident. It was a miracle that somehow God spared you. It was a miracle many times that you look back, God helped you. God gets the glory. And so we want to end on this point. Then God gets the glory. And this is exactly how God works. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. When you come to a place in your life and you say, I don't know the answer. I don't have the answer. Look to God. He may not give you the answer, but he'll give you the peace. He is the answer. When you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, and you keep running into a brick wall, and, you, and the yoke, and the bondage, and the stuff, you pray about it, it doesn't seem to break. You keep seeking God, and you come to a place of rest, a surrender. Surrender is a good thing with God. Surrender is saying, I, I'm at my end, so therefore now God is in your hands. It's not my, it's your, it's your, it's your responsibility. It's, it's going to take a miracle. Now there was swarming. Midianites, they were swarming across the land. They were like locusts. They taunted the people of God. They stole from the people of God. In the seventh chapter, at verse 1, Jerebabal, which is also another word for Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early. This is saying something, right? Because they got up in the morning. They had a reason to get up in the morning. Something was beginning to turn in their heart. Something was beginning to stir in their heart. God gives you a reason to get up in the morning. Amen? Let's think about it. God gives you a purpose. They camped beside the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. All these places are places in the east. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are, who are with you are too many. And all, all the people are going, what? And Gideon's going, what? 
Do you know how many people, the enemy, they're like locusts. And the Lord said again, the people too many, verse 2. Verse 3, now therefore come, proclaim the, in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is afraid. In other words, if you're afraid, go home. If your heart is trembling, just go home. It's okay. So out of 22,000, 10,000 remain. 11,000 drop out just like that. And verse 4, then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. And Gideon's going, what? Many. You know how many people are here like locusts are crawling, they're swarming. We'll be eaten up. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you. Therefore, he's talking about the 10,000 now when he makes a deal with Gideon. And this is how he separates. So he brought the people, verse 5, down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate everyone who laps the water, another with a tongue. It's like they're drinking like a, you know, they're down there with their face in the water. They're drinking like a dog drinks, you know, they lap in the water, up, right? They're not paying attention to what's going on around them. And those who brought the water up, shut their eyes. They were aware of the enemy. They were always watching. And so now we're down to 300. From 10,000 to 300. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver, verse 7, I will deliver you with the 300 men. 300. The Midianites are like locusts swarming. Don't you love it when God just does something supernatural through a little faith, through a little frailty? And God has the perfect plan to beat the enemy, to defeat the enemy. So they took the provisions, the trumpets. This is what God is saying to them. The Lord said to Gideon, I'll deliver you. So the 300 men, 300 men took the provisions and the trumpets. They got a trumpet in one hand. They got a uh, torch in the other. Verse 9, the same night in the came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. So what they're doing, they're going down there in the night, and they're surrounding the Midianites. And they're split up 100, 100, 100. They're surrounding. Look, look on. There was a person that came about, a prophet, prophesied in these verses in the 7th, about verses 13 through 15. He had a dream and he saw a loaf of bread, a loaf of barley tumbling into the camp of Midian. And it came and it just sweeped, struck them, and turned them upside down. Another message, another confirmation that God was going to do something supernatural. And so now he divides this 300 into 100, verse 16. We get down to verse 20, when the three companies blew the trumpets, broke the pictures, they held the torches in their left hand, the trumpets in their right hands were blowing, and this 
pride, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And each stood in his place around the camp. And all the army ran, crying out as they fled. And when they blew 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another. Love this story. The enemy turns against itself. God confuses the enemy to turn against himself. And just exactly what needs to happen in our lives. When the enemy comes in to taunt us, when the enemy comes in to defeat us, we need to have the Lord turn the enemy around so that he just begins to be confused and leaves. He's destroyed from our lives. So God be the glory. What do we have? going on in our lives right now? What do you have that you're facing right now that God does not? That anything that we have, God has something of a strategy. He has something for you and I to do. And oftentimes, just hold fast, wait, Station yourself many times, but sometimes it means action. You step out. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you need to ask a person to go with you. Maybe you need to ask the Lord for the courage to step out and stand up for the things of God. I'm convinced that if God is for us, there's nothing that can be against us. The scripture tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for the church, then the church has to triumph. If God is saying, saying to us, stand and see salvation, or salvation is coming to your house. Or salvation is coming to your situation. Or healing is coming to your circumstances. Then believe it. And shout it. And declare it. And walk in it. And walk with, with hope. Even though I am the weakest. Even though I may feel like I'm the least. Even though I feel like sometimes... I don't know if this is for sure from God. We turn it over to the Lord. I believe today that every one of us are facing something of a battle. I believe today that every one of us have some kind of a battle. I mean, just be honest, we all are in the world. Not of it, but every one of us are in a battle. Why? Because the enemy doesn't like you. Why? Because you're on God's team. Oh, we're going to make him uncomfortable. Love what Roger Stacy said. He was a church planner, coach for many years. He helped us here with the Lord. And he said, we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell. I like that. The church is not like 
holding on. We're not to be the church holding on, holding down the fort. The church is on the offense. Jesus said, I will build my church. What did he say about that? The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. In other words, we win. We are winning with God. But it takes consistent prayer, consistent surrender, consistently seeking the Lord. All those things will help us be in the position. Amen? Put ourselves in a position where we say, Lord, as you build this house, I labor in vain. Lord, will you build my home? Lord, will you build into my kids? Lord, will you instill in my children faith? Lord, will you help my kids and their kids and the next generation to have the Lord? You, Lord, you see what I've I struggled. You see where I went wrong. I admit my need for you. The first step in this whole war, this whole battle is admitting I need you. I need you, Jesus. Amen. And that's where it starts. And then you begin to walk in. And you need the body of Jesus Christ. And you need especially the Holy Spirit. 